Hello, I'm Dr. Jennifer Pierce, and this is Singular XQ, the podcast about digital transformation. In this unprecedented time of accelerating explosive change, many of us feel like we don't know what we're doing. But I know one thing. We can't solve the problems of digital transformation inside silos. So we're doing the work of digital transformation, one conversation at a time. I'm here today with Laura Massa, a business process improvement leader at MSC Direct, a large industrial supply distributor based in New York. Laura, welcome to Singular XQ. We're so happy to have you here today. Good morning and welcome to you too. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for your time. We're really excited to have you because you are an expert in something that is so important today, something known as change management. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into change management in the first place? Yeah, my career has been mostly involved with continual improvement. So I've gotten my green belt and black belt and lean six sigma, and I helped my current organization and my prior one do business change, looking at operating efficiencies, how we can do things better. Inevitably, through that work, you know, as you look to think things better, you're putting change upon the organization, you're putting change upon the individuals who work in that organization or to the suppliers and customers we service. So it made sense about seven years ago for me to learn about change management. And what that basically means is while I'm focused from a lean's perspective on changing the processes and making things work better, there's a people side of change that we need to manage. And that's really what change management is all about. It's managing the people side of change. It's giving them the preparation, the support, the tools, the equipment, the knowledge to drive change throughout their organization, but to also be successful at it. And it just seemed to be a very good complement to the work that I was doing. And, and since that time, I've been heavily involved in doing change management activities throughout the organization I work for, everything through acquisitions, to business process changes, systems and technology changes. Um, And it's really been a really good fit for what I do. People get very skeptical and cranky sometimes about people's areas of expertise. And I've heard people say, isn't change management just management? What would you say to people who say things like that? Yeah, that's a very common misconception. People think, well, I'm a manager, I'm a director, of course I'm doing change management. But the difference there is that, for example, if you're a manager and you're tasked to put in a new system or develop a new app and you do that, it's kind of a check mark. I delivered the system, I delivered the application, and you move on to the next thing. But there's implications to the work that's being put upon folks in your organization. So your associates, your employees, in order for any of those business solutions that as a manager you're tasked to implement or develop or change, you have to get your organization, your people engaged with that change. You can't assume that because you put through a new business solution or a new process that it's going to be successful. So the change management aspect of it is really taking a step back and looking at not what it is that you're doing, but how that's impacting the folks in your organization. How are they going to perceive the change? Are they aware of the change? Do they understand why the change is being made? And and more importantly, what will happen if we don't do this change? And so those are some kinds of questions that we would have to ask upfront and keep in mind. And a lot of times it seems to make sense. Of course, we want people to, to come along the journey with us and 
and accept the business solution or a product that we're producing. But many times that assumption, unfortunately, is not true. People will resist that change. People may not like what's going on and or we don't give enough time to give people an update to let them know what the change is coming. So when people say, well, I, I'm a manager, I manage, I do change management. That's not always the case. If you're not taking a look at how the changes you're putting through the system impact the people, in your organization and how they're going to adopt and utilize that change, then that's the gap that needs to be filled. And so it is a, it is definitely separate. Managers can certainly le learn how to use change management, and they absolutely should because it's, it will help them be more successful. But we can't assume that people will just kind of come along with the changes because that's not always the case. Yeah, you know, it's the same with consulting. I've done a lot of consulting. And when you're consultative, you're always advocating for a solution. And that's always a change. And a lot of us, particularly when I was with one particular group, we would always say, well, we're all change management specialists. But at the end of the day, it's about an intentional and on-purpose framework applied to the idea of change management. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. It has to be. I think, again, well, so there's a couple of different factors, right? So in this day and age, we have so many external and internal influences on organizations. And the rate of innovation is so rapid that organizations are changing faster than they ever have. So the type of work that they do, the type of solutions that they provide, the suppliers, the customers that they service, but even internally, the types of business systems that they work in or the knowledge that folks have in an organization. So so we have to be much more flexible and adaptable to these changes. And we can't just assume that people will come along and be like, oh, I can pick up that new technology. That's fine. And as a consultant, I'm sure you know, you know, you're going to propose all these new ideas. You have to build in that people side and you have to build it in up front and be very proactive about it. The more you can do that, the more successful whatever it is you're looking to accomplish will be. You have to be people a part of that journey and just not make the assumption that they're going to come along for the ride with no problem because that's not always the case. Absolutely, it's not always the case. In fact, it's always the opposite. I think, yes, right? probably. So we, you mentioned resistance to change. And when I do talk to clients, the two most common things I work on are agile transformation and total CX transformation. And just a reminder for people who might not know, CX is an umbrella under which UX, employee experience, brand experience is all housed. And people know just like with Agile, uh, total CX transformation is supposed to bring all these great business results, right? But when I do my own research in order to bring assurance to my clients about their chance of success, it's very, very discouraging because you discover that, you know, through various studies, particularly in Harvard Business Review has some really good statistics on it. Agile transformations, depending on which source you're reading, will fail 50 to 96% of the time. And total CX transformation is failing upwards of 70% of the time. What's going on here? Should people just give up? Why are these things like CX and Agile are sort of proven frameworks that have demonstrable revenue results, but when we enact them, they fail. Can you talk a little bit to that? Absolutely. You know, obviously when you talk about Agile, 
transformation, you're talking about a way of doing business differently than we have in the past, right? So there's that sort of traditional waterfall software development side of things. And then a lot of companies started moving to agile so that they could make those changes. As I mentioned before, all these different changes that we need to keep up with, it helps us keep us flexible and adapt to all those external influences. The problem I think lies in when you have a new way of doing business, it can be very siloed, right? So Usually departments, you know, if you're in user research, that's your world. If you're in software development, that's your world. If you're doing agile, that might be your world. And you're not, there's not a lot of cross-functionality. There may not be a lot of collaboration. And that's where part of the problem starts, right? There's some that lack of communication as to what exactly we're doing and why we're doing it. And from an organization that's usually using Agile, it's really important to have all those stakeholders aligned with the changes and not work so siloed. Don't, you know, we underestimate people's reaction to change. So even internally, we have to bridge those gaps. You need to have more alignment with those teams. You need to have a better roadmap prepared for when these different agile activities are happening, who's going to be impacted and why it's happening. And you want to make sure that people are talking the same language. So people may have a different idea of what agile is, even within an organization. I experience that all the time. We have people who work agile, but then people assume agile is one thing when it may not be. So from a leadership perspective, it's really about painting that picture right across the organization. This is the tool that we're using. This is why we're using it. We want you to be part of that journey, but also making sure that those departments, they need to be working together. When you have that friction happening between departments, there's a higher risk that something's going to fail. Something's not going to be received well. People are going to make assumptions. And I know I keep using that word assumptions a lot, but it's very true. People just assume that they're going to know what's happened. People are going to tell them what to do. So if you build a change management, a plan around the agile activities and really think about who are your key stakeholders, what's the leadership role in all of this and get them aligned to what's happening. I think the rate of success would be much higher. But I don't think organizations do that. They're so focused on making the change that they're not thinking about the people who are involved with making that change or the people who are going to be impacted by that change. And that's that's a gap that we need to fill. Are there any particular approaches or frameworks? We talked about how change management has to be purposive and intentional. What are some frameworks that you might recommend? Or is there one that you use or are trained in that you think is effective? Yes, absolutely. So one of the more popular ones and one of the ones that more widespread across organizations today is ProSci. ProSci is the leading company that produces change management techniques and tools and provides training to organizations to manage the people side of change. And one of their models is called ADCAR. And it's something that I was trained in uh, seven years ago. I became a change management practitioner through the ProSci model. And ADCAR is one of their main models. And it really represents those those phases of an individual that they need to go through in order for the change to be successful. So organizations don't change, people do. And that is what the crux of the change management is meant to do. ADCAR model stands for awareness. We need to create awareness of the change. People need to understand why we're making the change and what happens if we don't make the change, right? You want to develop that compelling why. D stands for desire or what's in it for me. You've probably heard the term WIFM before, right? Why should I come along with this change? 
you know, what am I going to get out of it? And that's probably the hardest part of the model. And I can go back to that. The and RIFM stands for what's in it for me. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So the what's in it for me, that with a model is usually the toughest one, right? Convincing people <laughs> that this change is going to be good for you. And whether it's the way you're doing business or a new product that you have to use, right? Why do I want to do this? The K and the A in ADCAR stand for knowledge and ability. So it's, do I have the knowledge to create this new business solution, to use this business solution, to take part in a new way of doing business? Do I understand and have the tools and the equipment I need to be successful? And do I have the training? That's where the ability comes in. Do I have the training? Do I have references and resources I can go to so that I get that security and building up how I can support the change. And then finally, the R is is really for rewards and recognition. Once you've gone through all of this, if you can see the fruits of the rewards, you know, I, I went through the change, I've embraced it, I've adapted it, I've used it. So whether it's a new technology or a new process that you've put in place, whatever it may be, if they're seeing the success of it, they're more likely then to keep using it, right? So you have to follow these five steps. And that's what ProSci has really developed. And it's a very effective model. My organization uses it, but there's thousands of organizations throughout the world who use ADCAR. And a lot of them are involved with digital transformation because of the rate of innovation and change that happens. That ADCAR model that every person needs to go through, they have to run through that whole model for that change to be successful. And they're going to be running through it multiple times, depending upon the rate of change that an organization is going through. The biggest thing with the ADCAR model is that you can jump back and forth between awareness and desire. You may get through to ability and then maybe go back to desire. You know, you can flip back and forth up and through the model. So in order to get that to work properly, you need to have a good change management plan. You need to understand that when you are putting through some kind of a new way of doing business, a new business solution, a new product, that people are going to have to go through these five steps. And if you have great communication up front, if you can develop that compelling why and get kind of get people involved and engaged with why this would be good for them, you're really going to start seeing better results. Companies that don't utilize change management have something like a 50% rate of failure. And that kind of ties into your statistics that you had, right, about agile. You know, companies that don't engage with the change management plan, whether it's ADCAR or something else, chances are those processes and those initiatives aren't going to have a high rate of success. And so yeah, what I, would, I would love to see, like, of those, let's say the, the 50% number is, is yeah. accurate. What number of those people are actually using an intentional framework for the change management and what percent aren't? That would be a really interesting study. It would. And it really is a scientific approach. You know, the pro side has done a lot of work. Obviously, when you talk about the people side of change, there's a lot of like psychology around that, right? Again, it's different. It's a different way of viewing things. We don't typically, it used to be a command and control, right? Organizations were, you're going to do this. And that's what you're going to do. And there are some organizations that still work that way. That's, I would, you know, that's, a, that's an older way of doing business. That's not the case anymore. And it can't be because every organization, whether you're in healthcare or government, or uh, if you're in innovation and technology and research and development, or as an industrial distributor, which is where I work, you know, digital transformation is all around us. There's change happening all around us internally and externally. So 
being able to be flexible and change and manage change successfully is really critical. And you can't just focus on what it is that you're producing. You have to focus on the people who are impacted by that change, the people who are doing the work, the people who are going to be impacted by those changes. That's where typically there's a gap. And that's why a lot of those initiatives I mentioned before that ProSci did all this studying on is going, you know, we need to have a better framework to hold this up. And so in my organization, we have over 120 change management practitioners across the organization through sales, through our distribution and supply chain, through finance, through IT, because the rate of change across the organization is so great. We need to keep our folks involved. And my organization is 6,500 associates, 6,500 people. So it's not a very large one, but we have 120 people who are practicing change management. They work with these projects and these people to make sure that we have strong communication plans. We're keeping close onto the changes that are happening and we're listening to the people who are impacted to make sure that we can put those countermeasures in and kind of flex and adjust as we go through to make sure that we're successful. If organizations are putting all this time resources and money into an initiative, right? Whether it's mm-hmm. agile or, or something else, you want it to be successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, don't, we can't risk not having it be successful. And it only takes, and in this day and age, you know, you can fall behind very quickly. And if you want to keep your organization at the tip of the spear, so to speak, it really needs a focused effort on change management. And there needs to be, you know, managers, directors, you know, frontline associates and employees, they need to be start thinking about about how these changes impact them. The more they can do that, the more successful they'll be. It's really interesting. The D and the R really interest me because like you're saying, you're going to have to go through cycles of ad car, right? Yes. And the R really reinforces the D once you can demonstrate. Like I always like to tell my clients, agile scales as agile wins. So sometimes people, and I wonder what you think about this, because sometimes people try to do a scaled agile transformation throughout their entire organization at once. The recommendation I always make is to do a small team so that you can have telegraphed victories from that small team to model for the rest of the organization what's in it for them. Do you ever hear about approaches like that? Absolutely. So when I do continual improvement and Lean Six Sigma, you know, we have a similar approach mm-hmm. with the rewards and recognition. And it's so important because for our associate engagement to share those wins, to share, it only reinforces that compelling why that you were trying to put at the beginning of that story, right? Mm-hmm. Why are we doing this change? Why are we doing business this way? Why is it important? When people understand the why, they're going to realize what's in it for me. They're going to want to come along with that journey. Now, you're always going to have people who don't, but but that that compelling why and that desire, which out of the ad car model, the desire piece is the hardest one. And it's really not some. it has to be from the individual. Uh, you know, I can't force you to come along with it. That's, you know, I can't force you to, to, to agree. I can't force you to embrace it. It's something that as an individual, you need to have a certain amount of information to make that decision to come along for the ride. And some people take longer than others to get there. Unfortunately, sometimes people, there's a small amount that may never get there. The reinforcement, the rewards, the recognition, the sharing those wins, showing that it gave some results. 
will help reinforce that desire 100%. And, and it, it'll show that in the future that if they can do this and they've been able to manage that change, that it only serves to help them better in the future when they have additional changes to go through. So the reward piece is definitely such an important part. And, and in the lean world, we do that all the time as well. We want people to engage. If, if somebody gave you a reward, a, a high five, a, a good job, or just you saw results and you were more productive or you had more revenue, you're you're going to be happy. You're going to want to do that again. And, and that, that serves just as much as in change management as anywhere else. So yeah, the D and the R, I mean, this really is the crux of it, right? So what you said, some people may never change. What are those human factors that are involved with what motivates people to change? Like what, and what motivates people to not change? Right. Well, you know, inevitably with change comes resistance any change has resistance and there's different levels of resistance, right? It's natural to be resistant to any type of change. We've all experienced that in our real lives, right? We don't like change. It makes us feel uncomfortable and we learn to have to try to feel comfortable in the uncomfortable. And that that's not an easy thing for people to do. And so resistance is probably the biggest thing that we need to, to try to mitigate. You can't eliminate it, but you need to mitigate it. And there are certain human factors that help drive success of change. One of them is the speed of adoption. So how quickly can somebody in your organization adopt and embrace the change, right? It could be, again, the way you're doing business, an agile framework, for example, or a solution that we're we're putting on a customer or even internally, like we're going to go through a new ERP system soon, right? So that's a lot of change. So one of the things is how is the speed of adoption? That's one human factor that we need to consider. The other thing is usage. Are people going to be using this and working this way? You know, you have people, I'm sure, in an organization where you say, we're going to do this. And there's all this hype and excitement and they're excited. They're going to get on board. And then you have this way of doing business or this new solution that comes out and nobody uses it. Why? You know, is it really giving them what they need in this day and age? The usage piece, it's the, you can create the best process, the best business solution the best IT solution you can, but if people aren't going to use it, what's the point? So if those two are connected, that usage and speed of adoption kind of go in together. And the third one is how good are you at it? The proficiency at how well you're going to be in that organization, a way of doing business. So if you are able to use that new process, that new business solution, a new way of doing business throughout the organization, how proficient are you at going through that process and embracing that approach. You know, some people can use it and be kind of clunky at it or inconsistent. You want to build that proficiency. So you want to think about how fast are people going to adopt to the change that you're making? Are they going to use it? Because people have a tendency to go back to what they know, right? So you you know, what's going to be the benefit or what's in it for me to use the new change that you're putting through? And how proficient can they get it? And that's the ability and the training and the rewards and recognition. So those are the factors that kind of come into play. But I think the biggest piece that people need to understand is that resistance is a very common and natural response to change. And you have to be prepared for it. You have to be able to put a plan in place where you can mitigate it. You can't eliminate it. But you have to assume that it's going to happen. And you have to be prepared for it. And you have to have a game plan a change management plan to help people get through that change because it can be extremely paralyzing 
to any work that you're doing. And I'm sure organizations that have gone through change internally, externally, it, everything stops, you know, and again, you have a lot of resources, time and money tied up into the changes that you're making, the solutions that you're looking to do. And when something stops dead in the water like that, and it's because of resistance or we don't have a good change management plan, it's, it, it really hurts the organization and it puts us puts them farther behind than where they want to be. And, and, and that's in this day and age, you can't afford to do that. Right, right. And it, it just seems to me like so much of it is fear, right? You know, I got used to doing my job this way and now I'm going to have to do it a different way. And am I going to be as good at it? And who's going to have power over me? And who am, do I have as many people reporting to me? And what's going on, right? And it just comes down to a fear that, um, you know, that, that comfort that you found in your prior job um, is going to be taken away. Yeah. Being, being able to feel comfortable in the uncomfortable is difficult. And some people embrace it more than others. And it is fear. It's, it's, you know, again, when I say an ad card, the deed, the desire, the what's in it for me, that is the hardest part. And you just kind of you know, hit the nail on the head with that. It's, it comes down to fear and you have all these questions and we've all been in that situation where we've had that experience, right? We've had some change inflicted upon us where, you know, maybe we have a new manager or now we have a new job or we have a new technology we need to understand and learn or something like that. And we've all experienced that. It's a very relatable thing. And depending upon, you know, what it is, we'll, depend upon, you know, your response to the change and the level of fear or disengagement you may feel. And it's a very real thing. And I, I don't think a lot of organizations, I, I don't know if they realize that or they realize it too late. And, and when it's too late, it's sometimes very hard to dig yourself out of that hole. To backpedal out of it. Yeah. yeah. The, you know, the idea behind Total CX is that all of the experiences from, you know, the, the consumer experience to the employee experience are linked. So you can't have a company that has a really bad employee experience, but a really great consumer experience. It just doesn't work that way, right? Right. And so I think that D is often difficult because we haven't traditionally thought about why the changes that we're advocating are actually good for the employees that have to enact it. Um, yeah, I think that's thinking about the business value, but uh -huh. the business value, and that always has to be a factor. Of course, uh -huh. we all have a job, right? But the business right. value has to be attached to some part of the employee experience that is going to improve measurably if we take these steps, right? Do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. The people who are enacting that change, who are part of that change, who are making that change happen, you know, whatever aspect of that business that you're doing, whether you're developing something or helping to implement it, or you have to you have to have some change management around those individuals. You have to, because if they're not coming along for the ride, if they don't understand it, it's that thing of silent disagreement. You know, they may nod their head and go along. Yeah, yeah, we understand, we get it. But then when, when you know, the rubber hits the road, they don't. Or, you know, behind closed doors, like, this is never going to work. We don't support this, right? And it's it puts everything dead in the water. I've been on projects in the past where we haven't had a very strong change management, if any. And it hasn't gone well. And it, it elongates the time of successes. It, it makes it very frustrating for people in that process, right? Because they're trying to do what they need to do and they're not understanding why it's not being embraced the way it should be, right? Because they're close to it. They, they're excited about it, but other people around them don't have that same insight. It's a very important thing. And it's certainly something that it doesn't take a lot to reach out to people. It doesn't take a lot to put a change management plan together. It's not a, a Bible of paperwork that you need to do. You have to understand 
what the change is going to impact. The people who are doing the change, people who are going to be impacted by the change. And I would say those are the two things that organizations should start to look at. And once they do, and they can put some ad car behind that or, or you know, some change management behind that and get a plan in place, I think they're going to find they're going to be a lot more successful. People will come along for the journey. And, so, and that's what we want. So for our listeners, I'm sure, you know, those of us in business, I can't think of somebody who's not actively involved in change of some kind in today's market, right? So what are three concrete steps I can do, I can take right now if I'm on a team that's that that's coming up against some change resistance in some way? Are there three con- concrete steps that you can leave our audience with that they can take to mitigate change resistance on their teams? Yeah, well, so the first one I would say really starts with sponsorship of that particular change in place that you're trying to put in place. Sponsorship is is incredibly important and you need to have your leadership on board. They're usually the ones who are selecting change and they're usually the ones that should be saying what the compelling why is. It needs to be a top-down supported effort and the sponsors need to have a very clear understanding of not only what the change is, but, but who's involved with that. And they need to be putting that messaging out there on a repeated basis, not just a one and done, but it, it in multiple platforms in multiple ways, you know, why are we doing this change? Why do we need to do it now? What happens if we don't? And that's that compelling why. And they need to be kind of front and center of that because people, you know, people are going to look to them for guidance. They're going to look to them to help remove obstacles. And they really need to set the tone for the change that's going to be happening across that organization and gain that alignment with all the stakeholders. So that's really important. I would say state sponsorship and getting them aligned with change management and helping them be kind of the voice of it is gonna be super important. The second thing is stakeholders. You wanna take a look at every stakeholder that could be involved with the change. So it's not just the people who are doing it, but there's probably multiple departments who are involved with any change. It's usually not just one department. It's usually a cross-functional cross-section that's working together to create something of value for the consumer, right? So. You need to get involved with all those stakeholders. You need to reach out to them. So whether it's the sponsor or the business process owner, there needs to be alignment across all impacted stakeholders, impacted stakeholders, and to let them know, you know, what does their ad car model look like? Do they just need to be aware of this? Are there certain groups that have a higher percentage of impact than others? And really sort of do a high, medium, low as far as impact. And then think about that ad car model. What kind of awareness do they need? What level of desire or what's in it for me that we need to think about? You know, why would they need to come along? And and not all stakeholders need to go through all of that, but is there any training that we need to provide? And how are we going to recognize the the benefits of this? Is there some kind of reward? Is there some kind of communication as a, you know, congratulations to the team? You know, how can we reward and recognize the work that's being done? And so for the stakeholders, if you can kind of think of a matrix and list them all out and do the impact to each one of those groups and think about how you want them to work together to get alignment, I think that's going to be a great help. And I think thirdly, as I've mentioned a few times, change management is about the people side of change. Organizations don't change, people do. And I know that might be a different concept for people, but don't assume that just because you've had a successful change, and maybe you did have a good change management plan, that the next time around you don't need it. 
change management is continual. Change management has to be done every time there's some kind of a change that's happening. So you have to reinforce that over and over again. And it's really important that you have to constantly remind people and bring them about on a change management journey. It's not a one and done type of situation. So think about if you're in a, in a place where you're, let me, you're doing agile work and you've done a successful agile. Now you're doing another successful agile sprint. Make sure you have keep that change management going. If there's always going to be someone there who may not necessarily know. So you want to make sure you keep that same repeatable formula going with all the users and keep a strong connection to the people who are impacted. And if you can do that on a consistent basis, you'll have more people who are going to be early adopters to the change, and you'll have less people who are going to be highly resistant and kind of really digging their heels in, you know. And I would say those would probably be the three that I would suggest is you know, sponsorship, stakeholder management and alignment, and keep it going. Don't stop. Always have a change management plan. Yeah. I mean, once you get used to the cycles of change, the idea is that you get the members of the organization accustomed to change itself, regardless of what the content of the change is, right? Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Laura, thank you so much. We'll put a link to Laura's LinkedIn page on our Medium blog post with the show notes for this episode of Singular XQ. Once again, thank you all for listening. Thanks for tuning in. All of the opinions expressed here are of the ones speaking them and do not reflect on their employers or organizations, nor are they necessarily shared by Singular XQ. Today's episode was produced by Caden Chernoff with support and content strategy from Ikra Miriam. Mad editing skills provided by Brogan Malloy and Lauren Edwards, and original music provided by Abby Ahmad. Do you have feedback for us or a topic you'd like us to cover? How about suggesting a potential guest? Or even better, how about you coming in and be a guest on our show to talk about the work you do in digital transformation? Reach out to us at info at singularxq.com or connect with us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We love hearing from you. And don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and share. Have a great day.